Okay, Shabbos Tafim Beis. We left off right off after the story of uh, the two Amiroim, Rav Huna Barchia and Rav Bar Huna, um, or rather Levi, and Rav Bar Huna, who had a little donkey related etiquette accident in which. Um, Rabbi Baravuna, who was the theoretically the less chashav of the two, uh, accidentally let his donkey get ahead uh, on the road, and this was considered pretty disrespectful. So he had to come up with an excuse, and he came up, or he either was telling the truth or was telling, saying an excuse, both because of COVID, um, saying that, oh well, you know, I have a very poorly behaved donkey, and he used the opportunity to distract uh, his rabbi. By bringing or the uh, uh, to distract um, uh, Levi, or I'm sorry, vice versa. Levi was the one who was in theory uh, who was less chashiv, and Levi used the opportunity to distract Rabbi Ravuna into a conversation about um, animals carrying items, halters, reins, etc., that aren't per se necessary for their shmirah, for their safe management. So that's uh, directly connected to the conversation we're in the middle of, which is, what is the halacha of belts and suspenders, right? What's the halacha of, um, you know, when you have two, you know, more more shmir than, I shouldn't say two, but more shmir than is necessary, a more powerful form of controlling the animal than is necessary. Okay. So, Tanah Debe Menashe, or Menashe, we're uh, four lines in, two, no mezim A's a goat. Shechokak lo ben kironeha. Right. Let's say you took a goat and you uh, you drilled a hole in its horns and you ran a uh, uh, and you ran something, some kind of um, halter through that hole. Right. In other words, you threaded one of the connections for the halter through the animal's horns. So yoytzav after b'shavus. It can go out with an afsar, which we mentioned earlier is one of the types of um, halters that's used for a camel. It can go out with a halter on Shabbos. The boy of Yosef, right on that on that subject, right? Because what's the concern? The concern is that maybe the halter is going to fall off. The halter is going to fall off, and what's going to happen? You're going to bend down and pick it up, and then you're going to end up carrying on Shabbos. By uh, affixing it to the animal, you know, uh, more permanently by running the thread or one of the, the straps through its horns, um, you avoid that risk. Okay, so it's perfectly okay. What if I tie, if I run one of the straps through the animal's, uh, the goat's beard, right? A goat has a little beard on its chin. So let's say I attach the halter to its beard. You might say, since getting it off its head would involve it hurting itself, pulling its own beard, right? So the animal is not going to misbehave. It's going to make sure not to uh, lose the halter. Right? Sometimes the beard, the knot can come out. And uh, or you know the, however you uh, you affixed the halter to the animal's beard that can kind of um, you know 
lose its staying power, and the uh, the halter can fall out. Says the Gemara, that's a very good question. Tegu, we don't have an answer for it. Very well. Tanan Hasa. On this note, So this is a reference not to a goat, but to a cow. To a cow. Um, when you have a uh, when you have a um, uh, at the end of our parak, when you have a cow, so a cow is a very different type of animal. Its behavior is different from uh, the animals we've been talking about up until now. So one of the things, right? So you know, in that, in the, for an, for a cow, you only need a very low level uh, type of um, security of uh, leash for a cow. So when you have a cow which has a similar setup to the one we described with the goat a moment ago, there are holes drilled through its horns, and you have something tied through the, that, you know, uh, the, uh, affixed through that hole. So says the Mishnah later on, the ritua cow can't go out with that ritua, with that strap, which is between its horns. One says, that Bain Lenoi, Bain Lashamer, whether that strap is run through the animal's horn um, for beauty, for looks, or Lashamer, or as a form of controlling, right, as a, a way to uh, grasp on to the animal and make sure it doesn't go where it ought not to go. Regardless of what its purpose is, right, um, it is forbidden. Let's keep in mind, and we didn't really get into this, but one of the potential things. Um, uh, you know, the, the question that we were dealing with, for example, in our first mission in the park was, is the decoration, is the item that's on the animal a decoration, or is it necessity? Um, so, you know, there is such a thing as a, a permissible tash, and a permissible decoration, and if it's a necessity for the animal's control and safety, it's also there is an there's an argument that that's not a burden. What we're trying to avoid is things that are a burden. Things that are a burden are a problem of um, are a problem of violating the halacha, which requires me to um, to oversee my animal's hashbasa to ensure that my animal, uh, as it were, keeps Shabbos. Okay. So, if this uh, strap or thread that's that's uh, between the animal's horns is linoi, if it's for beauty, Rashi explains. It's like a colorful, braided uh, um, decoration. So, uh, right, if I can't use that, if I can't use that for any purpose, and even if I can use it for a purpose, even if it's a, a, a even if the strap has utility, um, and it's there to enable me to grab hold of the cow's head and direct it and control its direction, it's still going to be usher. Um, it's going to be. It's going to be. Uh, permit it's going to be forbidden, and that is because he holds nitirusa yaserasa extra control. I don't really need this to control a cow. A cow is a very docile, uh, you know, um, compliant animal. It doesn't really need this strap for me to control its direction. I can just, you know, uh, direct it. I can direct it fairly easily without any special tools. So therefore, it's um, it is a masui. It's a burden, and you can't go out like that. The animal can't go out like that on chops. Okay. The other opinion says, Lenoi asur, Lashamer mutter. 
if you're doing this just for decoration, it's a problem. But l'shamer, if it's there to control, to help you control the animal, that is motor, right? Because he holds that Yerusi Yisirasa, extra control is lav masui, that's not a burden, right? So, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara like this. We don't know who said what. We just know Rav and Shmuel had a machlekes about this, and one opinion said one way, and one said the other way. I'm going to suggest that it's Shmuel who's saying that as long as you have this ritua on the animal's head there for a purpose, it's permissible. The Amr of we have Shmuel quoted as saying the halachas like Hananya and Hananya holds that the Tirusi so that extra security, belts and suspenders, is not a problem. That it's permissible. That's permissible. So therefore, so too in this case, where a cow doesn't really need extra security. A cow is a very well-behaved animal, but um, this little bit of extra security, as long as it's functional, is permissible for it to go out with it on Shabbos. Amalei Abaya says Abaya Adrav. I have a different way of looking at things. This time, the Shmuel Dhamma Bain Lunoi Bain Lashamar Asr. I could make the claim that Shmuel is the one who holds Bain Lunoi Bain Lashamar Asr. That even if there is a purpose, even if there is utility to the strap, since it's not strictly necessary because cows are friendly, um, it should be forbidden. Dhamma Bain Lunoi Shmuel Machlif Lunoi Rabbi Shalzubazum Al. And then they reviewed the Amar Shmuel quotes this whole story, how, which we mentioned in yesterday's daf of how they would they asked Rebbe what happens if you switch around the types of halters and reins from one animal to the next and Rebbe Shmuel Rebbe Yaisi piped up Amr Lefan Rebbe Shmuel Rebbe Yaisi Kach Amr Abba so my father said there are four animals who go out with an Afsar right with a uh, this particular kind of like mid-level uh, security halter Asus Hafer Chamor is he not coming to exclude a a camel with a nose ring? Now, remember, we had just had a discussion. Uh, right, a chaitim is a very extreme type of. Uh, that's a an really badly behaved animal. You give it a nose ring uh, based halter. So, let's just pause for a second. If you remember this Gemara, this whole line of thought in the Gemara was derailed by the ultimate suggestion that no, that's not actually what uh, what it's coming to exclude. But the Gemara at this point here doesn't know that yet. Well, Tesis is very bothered by this kasha. I think that Rashi is less bothered. Rashi just, Rashi, the way Rashi presents this, we don't know this yet. We're going to get to that teret in a moment. Says the Gemara. Um, you know what, you're right. So simi ha mekameha. Reject, you should reject the one that you just asked the kasha from, and stick with the one I said, right? And other words, I says, good kasha. You know what? Uh, it must be that mine is right and yours is wrong. So that's a very uh, nice thing to say. Says the Gemara. Maybe mine is right and Abayas is wrong. Why is Abayas such a such a? Uh, I mean, Lahabuk, Excuse me. Uh, not Abayas. Um, uh, uh, Rav Yosef is the one who's trying to establish that um, that it's Shmuel who holds that if there is utility to the strap on the cow's head. It can go out like that. And Abayah is the one who's trying to say it's not true. So says Rav Yasef to Abayah, you know what? We should reject what you're saying. Abayah <laughs> says, well, maybe we should reject what you're saying. We both have valid statements of Shmuel. We need to figure out why there are contradictory statements of Shmuel. Who gives you the right to just reject the one that I think is, that, that I'm quoting? So the Gemara 
I'll tell you. So there seems to be some question as to what the, how the next line should read. Um, but uh, well, one possibility is my hava lo itmar. Gemara says ha. Okay, it hardly matters. We have a, we have a proof. Gemara is going to invoke a proof text, which is going to tell us what the conclusion should be. So says Gemara. We know that Rechia Barashi says in the name of Rab that Bein Lenoi Bein Lashamer Asr. Rechia Barab and Amar Shmuel Lenoi Yosu Lashamer Asr. So we have a clear quote from Yenin from another source that says that Shmuel held that if there's functionality to the strap between the animal's horn, um, like Rebbeisiv says, we can assume that it is permissible for the animal to go out like that in Rishus Arab. Meisvei asked this, asked the Gemara in the context of this discussion. Meisvei. Right? If its um, if its owner tied it up with a moisera, with an afsar, with a halter, right? So kshera, a paraduma, right? We're talking now about paraduma. Paraduma, we know, is not allowed to be worked with. You can't do any labor with a paraduma. Says the Gemara, we know the halacha is that if uh, the owner of a paraduma puts a halter around its neck, it's kshera. That's not considered. That it, uh, <coughs> me. Uh, that's not considered to be a case which qualifies as the para aduma bearing a load because it's just a leash. If you're going to really make the argument, as Rav does, that a halter, that any form of uh, control over an animal which is essentially docile and friendly and doesn't make any trouble is has the status of a masui, of a burden, and therefore you can't go out like that in Shabbos. But, so if you really hold that, right? So now you're, you would have to agree that this part of Aduma has been carrying a burden. And if it's carrying a burden, it's not kosher anymore. So how can we say it's kosher? That's what Tara says. Rabbi says the case would be, right, that they're transporting the cow from city to city. When you transport a cow, I didn't know this, but when you transport a heifer out of its home city, it tends to resist because it doesn't really know much about uh, intercity travel. It just knows that you're taking it away from the happy grass places where it, that it enjoys, and therefore it tends to resist. So you need to actually have a stronger form of control over it. And that's the case we're referring to when we say that it's not uh, that it does not render the paraduma non kosher because only in that scenario it is considered not a burden. Okay? Rav Shani says when it comes to a para, since its value is so high, so you're much, much stricter with it and therefore you need a firmer method of control. And finally, Ravina Omar Bimoy read as Ravina says it's a case of a very poorly behaved para that requires stricter control. Um, Rashi just throws in that according to Rabbi Yosef and according to Rechia um, Barashi, who hold that Shmuel is the one who's saying um, that if the uh, strap between the animal's horns has some function, it's not considered a masu, it's not considered a burden, uh, they're going to say, just like we said earlier, that uh, that um, the four, the, the, when we said, um, we're going to have to assume that Shmuel also agrees with the continuation, and the Tarots just said that it's not. We're not trying to exclude 
we're trying to exclude a dromedary with an afsar, uh, with a weak method of, uh, of control. Okay. Hasus b'shir v'chulu, right? So we said hasus b'shir, a horse is controlled with a shear, with is basically just a collar. Which I didn't know, in, in the westerns the horses are always wearing a bit. But a horse is controlled with a shear, a particular, uh, seems like a relatively non-invasive collar. And v'chol ba'al yashir, it's a m'shir, v'mshach m'shir, and that's the Mishnah said, all animals which can be controlled with a, uh, with that sort of collar may be. So... What does it mean? We said that They can go out, everything that tends to wear a collar can go out with a collar and it can be led or can be drawn, pulled with a collar. It's actually a very broad header. What we're saying is that you can go, these animals can go out with the leash. Right? Let's just call it a leash for now because it sure sounds like a leash to me. They can go with, out with the leash wrapped around, not necessarily with you holding the leash, right? They can go around with the leash wrapped. You can just take the leash and kind of drape it around their necks, right? Or alternatively, or you can pull them along with the leash. Shmuel Omar says, "Well, that seems to be a little much for me. I think." That's a bit too much of a kula to say that they can go out with the uh, with the leash draped around their neck. Says the Gemara Masnisa Tanuvim Nerbaisa Yoitzin Kruchin Limashech. Right, they can go out with the leash uh, looped around their neck for the purposes of ultimately Limashech for the purposes of being pulled. Okay. I saw the calves of Ravuna's house, Yoitzin Ba'afsarein Kruchin Mishavus. So we see a lot of support for the opinion that holds that Kruchin is okay, that um, that uh, having the leash draped around the neck of the animal is also okay. Because right, he says, I saw the calves going out with their leashes, Kiruchin, uh, draped around their necks, Mishavus. Kiyosu Ravdimi Amr Ravchanina, Ravdimi Sinem Neim the mules of Rebbe's house, they go out with their collars, with their bits, their halters rather, on Shabbos. Did they go out with them wrapped around their necks, or I should say draped loosely around their necks, or or were they pulled by them? Right, we got a more specific version of Rukhanina's statement, where he said, in fact, the mules would go out with their leashes draped gently around their necks. So he said, the said, is not a necessary statement. We don't really need this statement of Ravasi. Um, this, excuse me, this statement of Rishmuel Bar Yehuda. Rishmuel Bar Yehuda went to all this trouble to tell us about the Muloy Shal Beis Rabbi, the mules of Rabbi's house. But it's not really necessary. Why? Neither of Dimi Nafka. Um, because 
it really was evident, it was obvious in the statement of Ravdimi. We didn't know, we didn't actually need a more specific version of the statement. Why? Because right, Ravdimi said the mules would go out with their leashes. And Roshan goes, the mules went out with their leashes draped around their necks. So that's not necessary, it's overkill. Says the Gemara, the Kalmar. If you're really going to tell me that Ravdimi uh, meant to say, um, that Rudimi meant to say Nimshachim, he meant to say specifically the mules of Rebbe's house were only drawn by their leashes, but it's not that the leashes were ever draped around their necks, which is a bigger kula. Says the Gemara, we have a different statement of, 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 of we have a, 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 we have a statement of Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel, we're talking about Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yehuda, right? So now we're saying Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel, right? From his statement, we know already that. Uh, Oh, we lost you. Okay, hold on a second. Can you all hear me? Uh, can you now? You lost me a while there. You lost me for a while. That's not good. Um, what was the last thing we talked about? We talked about who's... Uh, I just read that that the Gemara is trying to say that we didn't need the second the clarification of Rav Shmuel by Yehuda who explained Rav Shmuel by Yehuda explained that um, that uh, the mules of the house of Rebbe went out with their leashes wrapped around their necks loosely, not even being drawn by their leashes. They went out with the leashes draped around their necks. And that is a Chiddush, that's a Kula to say that they're allowed to go out like that. Um, and the Gemara was saying, ah, we really didn't need, we didn't need, um, we really didn't need uh, Rishmuel by Yehuda's statement of clarification, because really, Ravdimi's more vague statement, where Ravdimi said, the mules of Rebbe's house go out with their leashes, we know on our own that that statement means they go out with their leashes draped around their necks gently, we already know the Kula, the Kula is implicit in that statement. How do we know? Says the Gemara, because even if we hadn't been told by our Shmuel by Yehuda, that's what it means. We would be able to extrapolate it from Rav Yehuda Marshmuel. What did Rav Yehuda Marshmuel say? Right. So we're about uh, eight or nine lines from the bottom of the Gemara. The Amr Rav Yehuda Marshmuel Machlif and Hayulof Nei Rabbi Shalzubezumahu. Right. The discussion we had already once on this staff, and originally on yesterday's staff, that uh, the that they they asked Rabbi, what happens if you switch the methods of uh, the leashing methods of one animal to the next? What if you put a leash which is stronger than is necessary for one particular animal? Says the Gemara, right? And we said that Bishmol Rabbi Amr Lefanam Bishmol Rabbi Yosi, got up and said, Kach Amr Abba, Argo Behemus Yaitzis Ba'afsar. There are four animals which go out with an Afsar, with a, a, a you know a mid-level halter. Hasus Ha'aferid Ha'gamulachamor. Horses, mules. Camels and donkeys, right? So we see quite clearly um, that merely, right, simply the halacha that a mule can go out with an afsar, with a leash, right? What's the, the, the lowest level of chiddush would mean with you holding the leash? That we already know from Mishmar Rabbiyos. So when Rav Dimi came along and said, you should know that Rebbe used to send his mules out with a leash, there's no way that he was repeating something that we already know Rav Shmuel Rav Yaisi said in front of Rebbe. It's mutter to go out with your animals with a leash. So the Chiddush that Rav Dimi must have been coming to tell us must have been that um, not only were they allowed to go out with a leash, they were allowed to go out with a leash that was not even tightly, that was not even being held, but was merely draped around their necks.
Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. No, it was necessary. You shouldn't say that Rabbi Shmuel by Yehuda's statement was unnecessary. The Eid of Yehuda Nafka had begun with Rabbi Yehuda by Shmuel, right, which is the statement of Rabbi Yehuda. You have no way of knowing whether Rabbi accepted the statement of Rav Yishmael Rabbi Yehuda. The fact that he said it in front of him doesn't mean he accepted it in his own life. Doesn't mean that he, that in his personal uh, conduct, he accepted this ruling. We only know, um, based on the statement of Rav Dimi, that Rebbe accepted this conduct in his personal life. And on top of that, Rebbe came along and said, and you should know that the leashes were not held, but even merely wrapped around the necks of the animals. Okay? Kamash Malon, Rav Dimi. That's Rav Dimi's teaching. Either Rav Dimi. Now the Gemara says, why didn't we just have Rav Dimi? I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known this bigger chiddush that you're allowed to let the uh, cow, the, the mules go out, even with the leashes just loosely wrapped around their necks, not being held. Okay. Um, that's what we learned from Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda. All right. Okay. We said that um, we said that uh, these these types of um, leashes, halters, etc. So you can sprinkle mechatos, you can sprinkle para aduma water directly on them as they are, you know, attached to the animal. And if you need to immerse them in a mikvah, you can do that even by just immersing the whole animal along with its leash. It says the Gemara, Are you really suggesting that these items can receive tumah? A human ring, right? If you have a ring on your hand, that ring can become tumah. However, A ring which is used somewhere in an animal's kit, right? Or a ring which is used as um, the handle, or as part of the handle for a keli, for a vessel. B'shar kol and all other types of rings, tahiris. All those tabais cannot receive tumma because they're not vessels used by human beings. So, Amr of Yitzchak, what's the case? The case must be, b'boyin minoy adam minoy behema. These are rings which were recently converted, right? Um, from human being rings to animal rings, right? The, 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 the fellow is done with the ring, he doesn't like it anymore, it's a college ring, he doesn't care much for it. And now, he's incorporating it into his animal's kit, his animal's accessories. Okay, that seems like a good answer. Right, and what happened, what happened? He became tummy while he was still, uh, while it was still a human ring. And now, right, he hasn't yet addressed the tumma angle. But he's making it into an animal ring, and now he wants it's attached to his animal somewhere, somewhere along his uh, animal's leash. There's this ring, and he wants to make it tahar. Okay, so that's the story of how an animal ring can be tummy. Rabbi Yosef suggests another animal, another another answer. The fact that an animal uses this ring, a human, excuse me, uses this ring 
to lead an animal, that makes it into a kind of a human ring because it's really, it's something that I use every day. What's an analog? How do I know this is true? Did we not learn a Brexit? Makal shall behema, a cattle prod or a stick used to possess uh, the animal so it should move along. Um, uh, if it's made out of metal, Makabal Tumma, it can be Makabal Tumma, can receive Tumma. Um, it can receive to him. What's the reason? Because a person is using it constantly to um, strike the animal. Since the person is drawing on the reins constantly, the rings um, can be considered to be uh, the ring, rings which belong to a human being. Okay? We said that you can immerse the animal along with the whole cleat. Right? You don't have to detach the ring from the whole um, the, the, or the uh, the links of the uh, of the leash or the halter from the whole mechanism and just immerse those. It says the Gemara, isn't there a chatzitza when you have two rings or a ring which is attached to a like which runs through a uh, some kind of holder? Um, I'm sure, there's a proper word for that, but some kind of a link of chain or something that would be a chatzitza because of how tightly. The ring sits in its uh, in its base kibul in the place where it's supposed to sit in. Um, uh, that's a chatzita. The water can't get it. Rav Ami, Rav Ami says the case of bisharizchan. What does it mean, bisharizchan? You hammered it out, and for this express purpose, in order to more easily access um, the uh, the uh, the ring, you hammered on the spot on the link that the ring goes into, thus broadening the hole. Says the Gemara. It would seem that Rav Ami learns like Rav Yosef. Rav Ami must hold that the reason that this ring is considered to be um, a human kli, a human vessel, which can receive a human ring, which can receive tumah, is that I use it constantly, that it's in my hands, and not the story of Rav Yitzchak Nachmanik. Rav Yitzchak, if he held like Rav Yitzchak, who held that it used to be a human ring, and now I'm and it became tumah head, and now I'm converting it to an animal ring. Says the Gemara, Kevin, the Rizchan, once you hammer it, right? So we said, according to Rizchak, the case is that you hammered it until, uh, excuse me, we said, according to Rizchak, the case is that the ring used to be a human ring, and Rav Ami saying that it has to be in order to enable Tevila to happen, that you hammered it and changed the shape. Says the Gemara, in a scenario where you're converting a human ring to something else. Any, really, anything, any ring to end, any, when, when there's a change in status, which is effecting a change in the ability to receive tuma, right? Any physical change like this would consider would 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 be enough of a shinoi, like a shinoi hashem, would be or really a shinoi maisa. It would be enough of a change of identity uh, for this particular uh, vessel that it would lose its tumma status. So if you hammer it out to the extent that it changed shape, it would lose its tumma status. You wouldn't need to immerse it in the mikvah. Right? Uh, you've done enough of a maisa, you've had enough of an impact on the ring that it loses its tumma status. All have the ability to become Tame through Machshava. What does that mean? That means that as a human being, as the owner of a Kaili, I can say, oh, from now on, I intend to use this vessel for my purposes. The moment I do that, I think that, the vessel becomes able to be Makabal Tumma, right? Now it's a vessel, which I use, so it can receive Tumma. 
the ain oil and mitmas no bishinamaisa, but they only can leave their state of Tuma with a shinamaisa, of course, or an origin of the mitzvah, but a shinamaisa, a significant change to their identity, which hammering out into a different shape um, as you make it into an animal ring would be a perfectly good example. So says the Gemara, says the Gemara, so by law, Krav Yehuda, the Omar, I have a different etza. He holds like Rabbi Yehuda, the Omar, Maitzel attacking Lav Maitzavum. Rabbi Yehuda holds a Maitzel attack. In this scenario, where the action that you're doing is for the sole purpose of enabling the Tevila, the immersion of the ring, that's a Maitzel attacking. That is an act to repair. And such an act to repair is not an act that changes the identity of the vessel for two entire purposes. The Tanyul and the Raisa. Rabbi Yehuda says, Shinu Maisa is only Lekalko, is only when you are um, lowering the quality, the, the functionality, etc. of the item, but not when you are improving. Okay. Says the Gemara, B'masni we have a Brisa that has a different Eitzah. B'mechulalim. Right, the case is that there is enough, right, there literally means hollowed out, but there's enough room in the first place. You didn't have to hammer it. There's, you, you, the, the, the rings, the links in the chain are loose enough that you can, the water can get in and it's not a chatzit. Okay? Shol Talmud Echem There was a student from the Upper Galilee who asked Eser Belezer, Shemati Shechelkin Mein Tabas Tabas. I heard that there's a distinction between different types of rings. Right? It sounds like he's saying, I don't know, I just I, I remember something about there being a distinction between different types of rings. That's all he could remember. Presumably, what you're thinking of is a Shabbos-related distinction. Right? Rashi says there's differences between different types of rings, rings that have a seal and rings that don't have a seal in terms of Haitzah and Shabbos. Right? That's probably what you're thinking of. The Elin in Toma, if you're thinking of some Toma-related difference, they have the same halachic status. There's no difference. Says the Gemara, Is it really true that when it comes to Toma, all rings are the same? Did we not learn? We just learned a moment ago that all types of rings, um, unless they're human being rings, they don't, they're not Makabal Toma. Right? The animal rings are not Makabal Toma. The other types of rings are not Makabal Toma. Only rings that humans wear are Makabal Toma. That's the Gemara. Kika Amrle Ihunami, the Adam Kamrle. Right? He was just asking about ring rings. He was asking about rings that human beings wear on their hands. So in that subset, there is no distinction. Says the Gemara. Ud Adam David Ahasi. Is it even true? There's no distinction within human rings. A ring which you um, you uh, you re-engineered to use as the clasp of your trousers. Or to use as the uh, the brooch, the brooch, the brooch, um, with which you hold your cape shut, right? Tahiris. Veloy amru, right? Tahir. Those rings are not makabel tuma. Veloy amru shall The only thing, the only type of ring which is makabel tuma is a finger ring, but not a ring which you use as a clothing fastener. He was asking about the normal type of rings, human rings that you wear on your finger. And he was saying, in that subset of rings, there is no difference. Says the Gemara, is that really true? There are no distinctions in finger rings. If I have a ring which is made of metal, but the chaysama is made of almoig wood, it's made of this very type of wood, 
Temehi, right? Such a ring, since we view the body of the ring as the, which is metal, as the primary part of the ring, so therefore it's Mekabal However, he shall amig if the ring is wood, the Chais and the seal is metal, Tehira, right? Because that's just a piece of wood. A wooden ring with a metal seal, what that is primarily is a wooden, clear wooden vessel, which is not Mekabal Truth the Kliyei, it's not Mekabal Says the Gemara, Kiko Amale Ivunami Kulushamathus Kamale. He's talking about metal rings. He was asking about normal metal rings that a human being wears on his finger. And therefore, in that subset, again, there is no distinction for purposes of Tumma and Tyra, there is no distinction between normal metal rings that a person wears on his finger. Okay. Void Shaw, yet another question, this young man. Shamati Shachokin be machat machat. I've heard that there are different types of needles. So on my layer, Blazashem, Shemaloy Shamit El Linyan Shabbos. Presumably, the distinction you heard is only relevant to Shabbos. The Ilanian Tuma Dovado Achasi. So what's the distinction for Shabbos purposes? Rashi says that uh, when it comes to it's on Shabbos, there's a difference between a needle which is functional for sewing that has a hole through the top and a needle which is merely thrust into your clothing um, for decorative purposes. Right? Those are the two that's uh, a Gemara later on, but Maishiites. Right? Because uh, a needle with a hole is Chayiv Chatas. That's Asudar But a needle without a hole is a different story. That's a Tachshit. That's uh, an accessory. But when it turns in terms of Tumah, all needles are the same. Says the Gemara, um, is that true that for Tumma purposes it's all one? But it's not that we not learn a Mishnah. A needle which lost its hole or its point. Says the Gemara, he was asking about normal needles, not broken needles. Needles which have their hole and their point. Says the Gemara, is that true? If it's Shlema, is David uh, is it all one? Well, it's not. A needle which has developed um, some rust or some uh, some kind of uh, de- uh, not decay but uh, oxidation or something. If that rust, if it affects the sewing negatively, if it reduces or 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 totally removes the functionality of the needle, so the needle is no longer a needle. Now it's the hybrid. Now it doesn't have the status of a cleaning. If I'm live, Tameya, but if not, so it's just a slightly rusty needle, and Tameya, the needle still is in the Kabbal Tumah. They commented by Rabbi that this is only true, right, the Vim live is only Sheri Nicker, right, that the shape of the needle is uh, still, um, still, um, uh, it still looks like a needle. It's not like terribly misshapen. Rashi says another chat that it could be that this is going on the first part. Another we're saying when is haluda a problem? That means that when you're sewing with it, the extra bulk of the haluda um, creates rips in the fabric as you pass the needle through. Um, okay, either one works. Says the He was asking about a non-rusty needle. He was asking about a polished needle. Says the Gemara. Right? Is that true that a polished needle, it's all the same? A needle, um, a needle, whether it has a hole or not, maybe you can move it on Shabbos. 
the distinction of a needle with a hole versus a needle without a hole was only said right, in reference to tuma, in reference to ritual impurity. So we see there's some kind of difference, we don't know what yet, um, between a needle with a hole and a needle without a hole when it comes to tuma. Says the Gemara, Abaya, leave the Rava, Begalmi. Abaya explained, according to Rava's, uh, uh, Rava's opinion, that it's Begalmi. We're talking about a, a needle which was cut off, right? It's, it's raw material still. It was just cut off from a longer piece of metal. It was, it's freshly, freshly cut up. So in that scenario, because you are ultimately going to make a hole in it and you haven't yet, so it's not a kli, it's not makabal tumma. But there are plenty of needles which their entire functionality does not require a hole, an eye, right? And therefore, um, they don't require that to be identified as a kli, as a vessel which is makabal tumma. Where are we on time? Okay, so you know what, let's stop here. We'll pick up with the new Mishnah tomorrow.